Let us pray. Father God, as we come before Your Word this evening, help bless our understanding of it. Help us give, it, give us the ears that can hear Your truth in it and hearts that believe. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All throughout the world this evening, manger scenes dot the landscape and Christmas music flutters. And we gather here tonight to consider one final Christmas hymn in the Gospel of Luke. There are actually four Christmas hymns in the Gospel of Luke. Zechariah sings one. Mary sings one. The angels sing one. And here, Simeon sings one. And when we look at the manger scene, we never see Simeon. Actually, I would guess a few individuals are thinking, why look at someone? Who is Simeon? I don't know much about Simeon. Because we know the shepherds, and we know Mary and Joseph, and Jesus, and we know the wise men. And yet, it is quite likely and quite possible that no one in the manger scene knew as early as Simeon did, that Christ was soon to come, that the Messiah was soon to come. He is actually given this unique gift in Scripture. There are a couple other individuals like this where God makes clear they will not taste death until this happens. And so in one sense, they, they must almost have this awesome idea of almost like an immortality of sorts. You're awaiting for God to fulfill His Word. God revealed to Simeon, Simeon, you will not die until you see the Messiah, until you see the Savior. And you can sort of picture Him as an individual. He's this regular visitor to the temple of God, wondering as He walks towards the temple, wondering, is this the day? Is this the day where I might meet the Messiah? What an awesome kind of thing. On a bad day, he probably said, oh, I really wish this this is the day that I can see the Messiah today so God can get on with it. My life can go and on to the next. And on a really good day, did he say, maybe not yet, Lord. Don't show me the Messiah yet. I want to hit this milestone or that milestone or watch my children or my grandchildren reach this milestone or that milestone. I would have to think some of these patterns of thoughts creeped into Simeon's mind because sometimes these patterns of thought can creep into our own mind on the matter of life and death, on the matter of the passage of time. And here in the Scriptures, in Simeon, we have an illustration of the life of a faithful individual not knowing the hour when he would behold the Lord and death would soon after come, but yet he goes on in faith. And isn't that ultimately true of of us as well? We don't ultimately know our hour in which the Lord would take us, and yet we are called to carry on in faith. Now, verse 25 and 26, they make clear that God granted Simeon 
this unique privilege of likely being the first of all peoples to know of the coming of the Savior because Simeon was a righteous and devout man. Righteous and devout. Now, I just want to ask you all, when God calls somebody in His Word righteous and devout, by what standard is God calling that individual righteous and devout? It's to His law. Now, God's law is not a popular idea in today's day, but God's law is a standard. More on that in a moment, but the baby in the manger, whom Christmas hymns love to call king, who he also brought a kingdom with him. See, we can go along singing the Christmas songs, calling him king, and yet it's almost like the most popular of New Year's resolutions. As the new year comes, and the Christmas songs wane, and we stop calling Jesus King, we forget that a king comes with a kingdom, and a kingdom has law. A kingdom has a design, an order by which we are called to live. Right now, all around this country, people are singing songs about Christ as the newborn king. And they'll do so for a little while longer until Christmas passes. And yet again, they forget. And yet the newborn king offers good laws. Even though modernity believes it has improved upon the laws of this newborn king, our king defined marriage. And what constitutes a faithful marriage between a man and a woman? Our king defined that you shouldn't murder people or get rid of people because they they aren't convenient. And actually, he said, if you have bitterness in your heart, an exceeding anger towards somebody, that you're, that's actually a form of murder in your own heart. That's a good law. Our king defined that we shouldn't steal something from someone else, whether we be individuals or even governments, taking something from someone else. God's king, kingly law defines how often we should come to worship Him. And how we should worship Him. Not forsaking the assembling together as is the habit of some, but to build one another up. He's defined the fact that we're not allowed to make up what He is and what He believes. That we actually have to go to His Word. We're not allowed to create an idol with a false god with a little bit of pithyisms and just idol kind of philosophies that are really our philosophies that we project onto God. We actually are called to go to His Word. Allow the King to define who He is and what He believes. There are so many churches that will just, they know that hearing the king and his word is a scary thing and so they'll just tell you lies they will not go through his word and that's another thing the king defined is not loving to lie and i could go on and i'm not going to go on but i think you get the point 
We're celebrating the coming of a king. A king has a kingdom. A kingdom has laws. And God says of Simeon, I let him know I'm coming because he was devout and righteous. You know, China once did a 20-year study on the United States of America. I believe it took place from 1990 until 2010. The the communist nation, of course, is publicly atheist. That is the law of their land. And they wanted to come to America, and it wasn't like this covert operation. They wanted to study what allowed America to become the powerful empire it did. And it came with a lot of assumptions. And you can actually read about this. They came and they thought, Maybe it's the capitalist system. Maybe it's the military power. Maybe it's the natural resources. And years passed and they kept studying. They're going, no, this isn't it. This isn't what established America. This isn't what actually made this country a unique city on a hill kind of country. And they finally came to the conclusion that really what set up America was the fact that America had integrated much of its culture into Christian ways of thinking and thought that benefited the families and the people of America and helped America flourish. And because they are an enemy, because they are a totalitarian-style government that wants more and more power, they actually released and they actually openly said, if you wanted to attack America, the best way to do it would be to attack the church. Since COVID hit the world, most recent study just released, Last month, 45% of people who are faithful attenders in church during COVID are no longer faithful attenders of church. They no longer care about the king. They no longer see what Simeon saw. They no longer have a devotion to them and a desire to live by the king's statutes and then there's the song from verses 29 through 32 because maybe you came in here and by the way when i say these words they convict me as well because i know i do not live up to the law the church is full of hypocrites and we're always accepting another one okay we're always open to receiving another one We hope you join us. But here is Simeon, and God says of Simeon, he is righteous and devout. And yet Simeon, all in his song lyrics, from 29 to 32, all he can sing about is the goodness and grace of God, that God is his Savior to him. You know, I would guess that by the extreme letter of the law, most of you broke the law driving here in some way. I remember you last yesterday I was on Old Skipback Road. The roads were starting to freeze. There was a lot of water on the roads. And 
No one else was on old skipback. I am driving right down the center. My car is like right down the center because um, there's not much of a shoulder on old skipback. I don't want to slide off and to the side. And so I'm technically breaking the law at that moment. I would guess if we evaluated all your driving, I know Adam Diefenbach sped. You know, uh, some people probably didn't come to a full stop. Maybe you forgot the turn signal. But I also think most of you had precious cargo and you weren't trying to get in an accident when you drove over here. The idea of being devout and righteous isn't that you're never going to break the law. It's that you actually desire to live under the authority of the king. And yet again, Simeon sings about the good news of the fact that this baby that he is holding, this eight-day-year-old, is his salvation. Hear his words. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. Do you hear what he actually just said there? He basically said, I can die now because I've seen him. And so long as I've seen him, I know I'm saved in my sin. And because I know I'm saved in my sin and I've seen him, I know I can die now in peace. I'm not afraid of dying, he says. I'm not afraid of the fact that my time is soon to come. No, actually, now that I see Jesus, I now have a peace over the matter of life and death and over sin and saving grace. Can I borrow your water? <laughs> I won't make it. The Apostle Paul talks about this in Philippians. And, he, and by the way, Luke wrote this in the, probably the company of the Apostle Paul. So I wonder if Paul thought about Simeon. He said, For the faithful to live is Christ, to die is gain. To live is Christ, to die is gain. If God told you today this was your last Christmas, every year I've been here, it's been somebody's last Christmas. If God told you this is your last Christmas, this was your last year, how would you take that today? How would that sit with you this evening? How would you take that? Could you sing this words of Simeon? Could you sing the words of Simeon and have peace with it all? You know, I'm not normally a movie guy at the pulpit because usually the movie has like one or two scenes I can totally not endorse. And then the point sometimes becomes go, people think go watch the movie. I'm not telling you to watch the movie. But I'm going to break my rule this evening because I recently rewatched a movie called Interstellar. I watched it a second time, and it's one of those, I love them. They're the confusing, conflated Christopher Nolan movies that make you think. I love movies that make me think. If you have any like that, suggest them to me. And I remember watching it for the first time, and I just didn't really get it. I didn't grab a hold of it. And, and the second time, I kind of knew the main plot twist that was coming, so it gave me new eyes to kind of look at it. And something remarkable was brought to my attention the second time I watched it. The movie's set in the future. The earth is dying out by blight. All the crops are dying out. 
And we have an advanced space program, and it's basically looking for new planets in order for Earth to settle. It's like Elon Musk's dream, I guess. So they send out the first mission. It's called the Lazarus mission. And they decide that all the pilots in that mission should have no connections. They should have no organic connections. They should have no strong ties. They should have no families. They should have no people that they're really concerned about back home. They send out people like that out into the universe and this mission that they're likely to die. And the first mission, they dramatically fail. It's been eight years, so if this is a spoiler for you, I'm sorry. You should have watched it sooner. They dramatically fail. And then there's a second mission. And the second mission, two people sneak on to that mission, or basically it's required of them because they're downed. They have so few experts. And those people have connections. They have family they care about. And they have loved ones they are concerned greatly with. And because of those connections, they succeed where others fail. They succeed where others could not triumph. They actually can go into the darkness, the bleakest, the black hole of life in one sense, the black holes of the universe. Because on the other side, they have someone in whom they love. Simeon's story is this. Simeon's song is this. There are hard times, dark times in life. We're going to turn down the lights and we're going to light candles and we're going to sing Silent Night soon. There are hard moments in life. Do you, have you beheld the Savior for the sins of your world who gives you peace even in the face of death? Who, when you look into, out into the void, you look out into the world, you look out into the fleeting nature of life, you have something that others don't have. The point is not to come here this evening to just sing about a king and forget about him in the new year. The point isn't to come here this evening and go home and watch Interstellar. The point of this evening is to understand the lyrics of Simeon's hymn that can be sung in any situation, in any hardship. It can give a peace that surpasses all understanding. And if you have that this Christmas Eve, you have it all. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Father God, we are a people fickle. We are a people often distracted, often not desiring to bear the full reality of not only did a king come, but he brought his kingdom and he calls us to live as we were designed to live in his image, by his law. And we failed in that, Lord. We've all failed by the standard that You put forth. And yet, in that standard, we see a glimpse of who You are. 
the beauty of our incarnate King, the hope of the world, the hope everlasting for all of us who have seen times of darkness, who worry about the abyss that is to come in death itself. Lord, I, I thank You that all we need to do is look to Christ and find peace in Him. And for that, we praise You. In Jesus' name, Amen.